UFC 292 in Boston, Massachusetts. 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 It's a tough one. Okay. Let's say <laughs> let's say that right for the for the Americans. We don't want to offend the Americans uh in the chat. But uh yeah, UFC 292 in Boston. Sean O'Malley, you know, might have a little roots in Boston. I'm not for sure, but uh he goes in there in the main event. Uh, we're gonna talk about this in depth. You know, O'Malley getting the knockout second round made it look, I'm gonna say, kind of easy. But before we get into it, before we get into it, make sure you guys go into the descriptions, download the All Star app, make your picks. Did I pick Sean O'Malley? No, I did not. I picked Aljamain Sterling um, by submission, which was completely wrong, completely the opposite of what exactly happened. But uh, yeah, go into the descriptions, download the All Star app, join J Specs League, win prizes. Did did we get a winner? For this month or last month? Well, we had one for last month for July, and that was Preston. Uh, but for this UFC pay-per-view event, we try to uh, do the best picker in the space. Unfortunately, there was a delay in the scoring, so we are yet to determine who the champion was uh, to win the prize. So, yes, someone did win, but we're pending, uh, you know, experience points tabulations. But uh, next yeah. week, we'll, an- we'll announce that winner. Definitely join uh, J Spec and and Sickle on the on the live spaces during the the events. UFC, it could be anything, right? Any major fight that's going on, they are online. They are on Twitter, aka X Twitter. I don't know what it's called anymore, but uh, yeah, it's it's getting it's getting weird out there, Elon <laughs> Musk. But uh, yeah, so just follow these guys. Their tags are on the screen. Follow me at Korean John underscore and on all platforms. And yes, let's uh let's get into it, man. Let's get into this uh main event, this headliner, headlining pay-per-view. Sean O'Malley is the UFC Bantamweight champion. Sickle has been telling us forever. And he's wearing the shirt, you know, off air. He was telling us that he had to wear the old school one because to show people that they say something new. Go I ahead, Sicko. I your... can't let people think I'm some new bandwagon fan. I've been on the Rainbow Road years and years past. There was 20-something of us in a chat watching him play Fortnite after we're watching LFA highlights from him. Like We've been on this for so many years coming, man, now that it's finally came true. I wish it was someone other than Aljo. I'm not going to lie because I do feel bad for him. Like, he never deserved all the negativity that he got. Aljo's always been great. He's always been terrific. To be honest, I always rooted for Aljo in every fight. San Hagen fight, I was actually rooting for Aljo. Uh, the Yawn fight, I was actually rooting for Aldo. Even Aljo, even in the second Yawn fight, I was one of the only people still rooting for Aljo because I was like, no, I think he can still beat him, and I want him to show people. And if he beats Yawn, then all the criticism stops. And I was wrong. It did not. It just continued after that. And then the TJ, I felt bad for him because he didn't get the win over TJ the way we wanted. And then even Henry, which was a huge win in your resume, it was the time off. And Cejudo has ring rust. And he, so all the times that they discredit him. And I found it hilarious that this whole time you're discrediting Aljamain Sterling, saying all putting asterisks in almost every win he has. But yet he's a two to one favorite against Sugar Sean O'Malley. But yet, Sean O'Malley has no chance. He has absolutely no way he's going to win this fight. He's going to get backpacked. He's going to get submitted. And trust me, I understood. And I saw why you would think that, right? We haven't seen 
Sean O'Malley possess any real ground skills. He's never really needed to against Jan. He was able to get up, but a big difference between Peter Jan and Aljamain Sterling on the ground. We understand all this. But to assume that he had no chance, I think Aljamain Sterling assumed Sean O'Malley had no chance as well, and that's what led to his demise. He went in there. I think he was a little overconfident, and it showed immediately after. One thing that I noted down was training partners. Training partner, I think, played the biggest role in this fight. Sean was very confident in the people he had helping him prepare for Aljo. Aljo was not. I don't know if you remember this, Rob. We had Marcus McGee in the spaces with us. Obviously, remember that part. When we were talking to Marcus, I let Marcus know some information. I said, oh, you're fighting JP Buys now. That's cool. He's training with Aljo. Aljo's using him and Julian Arosa to emulate Sean. And -hmm. if you remember Marcus's reaction to that information, Marcus was like, that's why is he doing that? Those are terrible partners. There's no way they can emulate Sean O'Malley. They don't even have the height. They don't have the footwork. They don't have the movement. They don't have the speed. Like those are terrible guys. If you go back and watch uh, Aljo in the post-fight press conference, the first thing he said was, looking back at it, I wish we could have brought in some different guys for this camp. He, his footwork, his movement, I, I was trying to get my guys to emulate that, but it was way different. I underestimated it. Looking back at it, I should have brought in better guys. I think he was overconfident, man. And you can't be overconfident with a sniper like Sean O'Malley and you and new champion we are finally here he finally did it the rocket ship is on his back we've seen guys ryan garcia we've seen kevin durant clarissa shields people from different walks of life are all talking about sugar sean o'malley he's already grown in popularity he's already gained an extra three hundred and fifty thousand uh, followers on instagram just from last night he was like at 2.9 now he's at like 3.2 3.3 million followers it's only going to continue from here this was and i said it going in i know a lot of people felt this of do we really think he's going to have a conor mcgregor jose aldo moment that's lightning in the bottle that only strikes once man he's not going to have that type of moment and somehow the crazy bastard did well it was was one of the closest things you could get to a a conor mcgregor jose aldo moment you know there's videos out there that they put up the finish like side by side of course sean's happened in the second round you know connor's happened 12 seconds 13 eight, nine seconds yeah. 13 seconds whatever into the fight um but yeah there's there's some similarities there man sean o'malley the the thing that sticks out the most before we get into jay speck's opinions about the fight is that he talked the talk and walked the walk that's what it is about in fighting that's that's the only thing it's about is if you can talk the talk and walk the walk, you're gonna be a champion. You're gonna be making millions of dollars. You're gonna be one of the one of the best out there on the planet Earth. Talk the talk, walk the walk, and and you could tell Sean throughout the the last couple of fights, his confidence was there, but it wasn't there to the point where you know it, you know it was a little shaken after the Peter Yawn fight, right? Like he even admitted it. But man, now his confidence, there's no stopping him right he's the champion like there's no like and next step to this it's like you become a champion now you just got to maintain and i think he's gonna become you know that that whole like you become 10 percent better when once you get the champion. strap mm-hmm. yeah like leon edwards you know he's i think he's the one who said it he showed it i think uh sean o'malley 
he showed it as well and he's going to show it in his next couple of fights but hey there's a roll of killers waiting for him like some of them are really bad matchups but man sean he's big he got power and he's got elusive striking um and it show and we've seen other guys with that same skill set last quite a bit of time as a champion in you know throughout the years so uh jay speck what'd you think of aljermaine sterling did he make a mistake did he underestimate sean o'malley before we get into his opinions and his comments make sure you guys subscribe to the channel jay speck what'd you get here's the thing i'm not gonna say that he underestimated uh sugar i wouldn't say that did he make a mistake yup like just go play the fight he he punched from way far out as cover to try to cover distance on an entry and misjudged how much distance he needed for that entry. He came up wildly short, had to reload in no man's land and got banged on. Like that's, I don't, it's not elementary, but that's not like super crazy, super fight science. That's like, that's like next tier IQ fight IQ. And he, he just cleaned them out. I don't know what Aljo was doing as a whole in that fight because like sickle mentioned the whole world had this vision and me included that aljo was going to spend 20 minutes or more on sean's back well to get to sean's back you need to be grappling or touching sean in some facet at all and he wasn't he he didn't didn't try anything really uh other than pretend like he wanted to strike I just think it was a pretty poor performance for Aljo scaling Aljo against himself in previous title defenses. When you look at his previous title defenses versus this performance, it's clear as day. Obviously, he's losing the title, but it's just nothing was working. Maybe maybe something more is to the truth of what Sickle brought up about the camp or who he had there, but he... To me, he wasn't looking like he was trying to implement his A game as soon as possible or wasn't even camouflaging or disguising it. There was not even like this like buildup of some kind of technique coming your way. It was just no activity and this mis misjudged entry. And boom, boom. That's just what it is. We're talking about some of the best fighters in the world, right? We're talking about the best fighter in the world at this weight this is what we're talking about. And you can't make those kind of mistakes. You really just can't. And uh, that's all it really came down to. So uh, respect to Sugar. Good job, man. I mean, I think you make a lot of people happy, bro. Uh, you got a lot of fans, more fans than ever. Good to see. Good to see a young person have success. On the other hand, the conundrum and the problem we were talking about for the past couple of weeks about this division and the Marab thing. Hey, maybe... The fight gods cleaned that up all on itself and we don't have to worry about it no more. Um, with all that being said, I th- I just want to echo, uh, you know, s- just one more thing Seko said. Sickly, it's so many great points, dude. You're killing it. Is that uh, Aljo got a lot of shit about acquiring the belt and while he had the belt. And I hope um, for one reason or another, however it goes down the line, that this, this fan, this uh, misplaced uh, hate for Aljo goes away. And I wish him success. I don't know if it's in this weight class or another. He's obviously got goods. He's got plenty of good fights left in him. He just didn't. Ha- he just made a critical mistake against a person that 
you can't make that mistake against. And that's uh that's my take on that fight. Yeah, man, it's uh it's a conundrum, like you said, for for Aljo because Aljo has been treated terribly as a champion, and uh, it's very parallel to Tyrone Woodley, right? And and kind of like what he went through, and uh, you know, in Tyrone Woodley, he had a decent reign as a champion. He didn't get a rematch. He never even saw a title fight after he lost it to Kamar Usman. And I hope the same thing doesn't happen to Aljo. I hope Aljo gets back in there, wins, and I, maybe even give him a rematch. Does he deserve a rematch, Sicko? Like, would the UFC want? Now it's about business, right? Now it's about selling. Now it's about who's the the biggest fight. And it seems like Sean O'Malley's already moved on to Cheeto. Yeah, and yeah. Cheeto did his part by winning earlier in the night. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But what is the best scenario? to make the most money because at the end of the day it's about making the most money it's about it's not about who deserves this and who deserves that right in the ufc yeah no i i completely agree sean has thought about this for a very long time go back and look at interviews sean always said that cheeto rematch needs to happen when it's the perfect time when it's going to gain the most views when it's going to get the most eyeballs then that's when i'm going to want it i don't want it now i don't want it immediate it needs to happen at the right time when it's either a fight to get to the belt or a fight for the belt he's been calling his shots man he's been calling his shots for a very very long time don't let the tattoo faces don't let the six nine on his shoulder and the colorful hair fool you this is a very intelligent shaved guy. eyebrows shaved eyebrows don't <laughs> let all this fool you he's actually a very intelligent guy who remember he's doing all this on his own and he has the luxury of doing it on his own Marab doesn't have the luxury of calling out who he wants. Neither does Aljo. Neither does so many guys in all these divisions. They don't have the luxury because they're under certain management. And we also have to look out for this guy and that guy. Sean don't have to look out for anybody. There's nobody Sean has to think about or look out for when he's calling shots and doing his thing. It's all him, what he wants to do. And he's been calling for this Cheeto fight for a long time. He's been setting it up, blowing past Marab, blowing past everybody. And then they get the help of Sanhagen. Sanhagen made a terrible, terrible decision to fight Font. There's no reason. When he was supposed to fight uh, Umar, I was like, I wouldn't take it. But then he gave us that nugget where the UFC told him, if you win, it is a guaranteed title shot. And I was like, okay, cool. I understand. Then he pulls out. I'm like, why are you still taking on Rob Font? This makes no sense. Rob Font doesn't give you a title shot. That You know that deal was off the table when it became Rob Font instead of Nurmagomedov. So why are we taking this fight? And he does Cheeto the biggest favor and gets injured. We don't know how long he's out for. I'm assuming he won't be ready for December. So if you just look at that aspect of it, yeah, it's, it's got to be Cheeto. It's Cheeto and that, that's it. And Cheeto did his job. He made sure he won that fight to set himself up. He should be thanking Sean O'Malley because Sean O'Malley's given him a, a bypass of anybody else who is more deserving of it. And this is the fight, man. This is the big one. Does Aljo deserve a rematch? Uh, it's tough to say. It's tough to say because this wasn't a Kamaru Usman-Leon Edwards situation. Aljo wasn't dominating a fight for four rounds, implementing his game plan, overwhelming Sean, getting to his back, controlling time, and then Sean lands that shot in the fifth round. Right, if that had happened, I think we'd be calling for an immediate rematch. But this wasn't. Like, say what you want. Maybe shot. Maybe Aljo should have shot earlier. Maybe he should have tried a little bit harder to be a little bit more relentless on those takedowns. But he got to Sean's legs twice. Didn't take him down. 
And then he shot in lazy once and got put out. So to give an immediate rematch to that, I don't know. I'm not sure. And we still have to see what happens with Aljo because, like I said, when you look at Sean, there's nobody else that Sean has to think about. Aljo does have to think about somebody else. And it's the guy that he's been stepping on as a stepping stone this whole way through, which is his best friend, his buddy, Marab. What happens with Marab? If Aljo stays in that division and especially wants another rematch, Marab's another year and a half away from even being talked about. Like, it's, it's, there's no reason for Marab to be in that division if Aljo's there. This was supposed to be Aljo moving on. And, I mean, what happened? Aljo said, We're, I'm going to move to 145. I'm going to move to 145 as soon as he loses. Immediately. I mean, not even a day, not even an hour. Immediately on the mic. I don't know, man. I, I think maybe I'll stay here at 135. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> like, Marab ain't getting nothing. Yeah. Preston, uh, he agrees, man. He says, for the longest time, Aljo said, win or lose, he's moving up. You can't change your mind now that you're – lost the belt well aljo can't he can't win any battles even in the post-fight interviews right <laughs> like you know people are already criticizing him for his comments yeah. about staying in the division when he told everybody he would leave the division but i think there's a a little stipulation to that i think if he would have won he would have left the division right or he would have moved up i think that's i think there's something being lost in there. I don't think he ever said that if he would lose the fight because you never say you're gonna lose, right? They were referring so I think to an interview that Sean and him did together. Um, okay, it was fight week. I don't know if it was for ESPN or who did it, but it was a joint interview that they did together, mm -hmm. and they were kind of going back and forth. And Sean told him, "If I," they asked Aljo, "If you win or lose, are you moving up to 45?" And Sean cut him off and was like, "He, when I sleep him, he's gonna want to come back." When I put it, when I knock him out, he's gonna want the rematch. And he was like, and when I beat him, I'm fighting Cheeto next. And Aljo was like, nah, if if you beat me, you got Marab next. Like you got to deal with Marab. So yeah. that's that's the interview that everyone's pointing to of like, okay, you know what I mean? Mar you you said if you beat me, you got to fight Marab next, and now you're like, nah, I want the rematch. Marab is doing the best Spliff Star impersonation. <laughs> if you know who Spliff Star is, like if you know, then you know. But God, if you don't know, Spliff Star is. Buster Rhymes is hype, man. Like everybody knows who Buster Rhymes is, but the guy that's next to him, just hyping him up, just like playing that role, that's Marab. All week he was at fight, like during fight week, he's like trying to troll Sean O'Malley. He even brought the jacket out again, right? Like, is that what happened? Yeah. Um, Marab is like a truly a uh, uh, a good friend, maybe to a fault. In this game, it's only you, man. Like you have training partners, you have a team, but you go out there and fight and. If you lose, you're the one that's gonna lose, man. I know the team loses too, but it been it affects you the most. Um, before we move on, we'll get into some of these comments. Uh, Preston, he had another comment earlier. I think Sean had Aljo really frustrated after the first round with Sean's movement leading to that early second round TKO, possibly. But uh, Sean, he man, he was ready, man. He was ready for the the types of takedowns that uh that Aljo was going to implement. He was ready for everything, man. Like he kept his distance really well. And then when uh, Aljo pressed forward, he put his back against the, the cage so he could use the cage to defend, you know, like you've seen in glimpses of like improvements on his side. And he knows that he's going to have to face a bunch of guys that's going to want to wrestle him and try to choke him out, try to break his arm. So I think he's been working on that a lot. He does have a phenomenal jujitsu coach in uh tokino right he's like 50 time world champion or some shit like that fought in the ufc as well has mma experience 
and it's great for him to have um, his coach, the Red Hawk or whatever his name is. Um, and he only focuses on Sean. Like, that's his job. Like, him and Sean are, like, attached at the hip. Like, that's a huge advantage, right? Most coaches have, like, 10, 15, 20 fighters that they have to go through. The top coaches in the world, they're traveling every week, right? But Sean has his own personal coach and guru or whatever the hell he is. And, man, they proved that uh, it works. And Sean is is the champion. Let's go to some of these other comments. M. Shout out to M for joining us. If you look at the fighters Aljo beat during his win streak, you can see him underestimating O'Malley. Yeah, the thing is, like, he lost to the guy that he had the best chance of beating in a title fight. Skill, you know, like when you put him on paper, that's what people thought, right? That's what people, that's why people are underestimating. If you look at the predictions thing, it was like 99% picking Aljo to win the fight, right? Even mm -hmm. myself, I picked Aljo to win just because of the, the ground game, but. It never got to the ground. Um, let's get to Brianna Frost coming through again. Shout out to Brianna <laughs> Frost with another super sticker. Appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, go follow Brianna Frost on Twitter and her OnlyFans. Uh, good content out there. And Brianna was saying that I would watch O'Malley fight Vera over O'Malley fighting Sterling. I think a lot of people would. And O'Malley knows that because O'Malley knows the style that Cheeto's going to bring. Cheeto's going to bring that push forward style that O'Malley can counter off of. And I think O'Malley already knows that how he's going to beat Cheeto. He's probably ran that through in his mind and in practice a hundred million times. And, and that's why it's all set up, right? You know, I hate to bring up Izzy, but Izzy is the guy that's kind of like showing these young fighters the path, man. Like you, you put out the path that you want to follow and you follow that path, right? And I think Izzy has shown that, and O'Malley's doing the same thing. And also, let's go back to uh, built-in excuses, right? Because it seems like um, when uh, Sterling won uh, the title and, and when he defended the title, there was always some kind of built-in excuse, right? The shoulder of Dillashaw, the, the time off for Sudo. Now, there's also a built-in excuse for this fight as well, even if he's losing, is that he returned too fast. He was injured ahead of this fight. You know, the UFC booked that fight remember i think it's already all lost is that aljo was fighting against the ufc to delay this fight remember like they didn't want to like aljo didn't want this fight in 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 boston this quick of a turnaround and he had some injury I, I, as well i believe but you know i guess they put the money on the table and, and aljo took it took the took the bait it's kind of like the sean sean strickland um ufc sydney Izzy situation, right? Like they wanted somebody to take the fight with a quick turnaround. You know what I mean? Like it, those are built-in excuses, right? Is it an excuse? It could be. It could be valid. But is it valid in the eyes of Sean O'Malley fans? Hell no. Sean O'Malley's a champ now. It doesn't matter, right? Those things will be lost in history. And uh, and all we remember is that Sean O'Malley knocked out Aljamain Sterling in the second round to win the world title. That's all that we're going to remember. So there you go. There you go. So, so J-Spec, you think Cheeto is the fight to make? And Sicko, Cheeto is the fight to make? And is it going to sell pay-per-views? Is J-Spec, let's talk, because we talked about this earlier, and I told you we are going to talk about this. Is he a pay-per-view draw? Like, and I, and I, and, I, and before he gets into that, I'll let you know that there are other 
factors. There's other ways to measure if you are a star, right? It's not just about pay-per-views. But Chase Beck, is he a pay-per-view draw? And that's a great question, John. That is the question I've been mulling over since actually maybe Friday for some reason. It came to my head, and I just don't have the answer. Uh, Got to wait for. I know they don't push the, uh, post the official purchases the pay-per-views anymore, but you get to find somewhat kind of information down the line. I just got to be patient uh, to see what you know last night's buys were like. That's going to give me some kind of idea of what Sean O'Malley's what Shaman, what Sean O'Malley is like as a pay-per-view seller. Now, what is this topic? What does this matter? As far as championship goes, champions, because there's many, uh, it matters a lot. One, it's how much money they're making. But two, uh, it's their popularity and how much favor you're going to curry from the UFC. If you were one of their super bread makers, I'm going to be honest, they wouldn't do you dirty like they did Aljo. They wouldn't have you, they wouldn't have you defending your belt, turning around, do or die right away. If if you were making that cash for them, uh, like some of the other guys do, and you already know their names. So, with that being said, uh, it is important uh, in that regard. But man, um, do I think he's gonna be a pay per view sell? In my personal opinion, I'm not sure, but I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no, only on this reason: his big his his big chunk of his fan base is sub thirty years old, like. They're those that demographic doesn't buy pay per views that much, so I think there's going to be a hindrance based on who he's actually attracting in fandom who would actually pay to see him fight. Uh, but the X factor is the Cheeto fight is Cheeto in the fight? Cheeto won, yes, most deserved, most clear uh person to cha- uh challenge him, maybe not from a ranking standpoint, but as far as draw, like it's automatic. Bree said it earlier. You guys said it. It's like it's instant automatic. Everybody wants to see it. Let's do it. It has a built-in story. It's it's perfect for a championship match. It's like just add water, instant awesomeness. Will that fight sell? Yeah, because it has built-in juices and good story already in it. So maybe his first title defense will have a better uh, purchase rate than any other he may or may not have in the future. But that's uh, that's a tricky one. Um, but Cheeto, good for him. That's what I want to talk about just a little bit. Good for him, you know. Um, you know, when you talk about we see it all the time in the negative set aspect where like things fall apart or don't go right. Da, 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 da. Well, cool for Cheeto that the Legos, if you will, the Tetris pieces lined up just the way right way, and uh, he's getting him, he's gonna get a good crack at the world title that everybody wants to see. And uh, hopefully they make a butt ton of money off of it. That's all I really can say. And uh, that's my final thoughts on that one. Cheeto is the luckiest man in the division. Right, Sicko? Like, how do you I mean, go part off of it's and luck. beat the guy, lose a bunch of fights, and still be in the title picture? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you beat the guy, right? That not that the number one thing? You beat the guy. How did uh, Poetan get his title shot against Izzy? He beat him. Even in a different sport, he beat him. And that's what you really need because that's what's going to draw. Izzy got to the point where, you know, differently than Sean, but Izzy got to the point where there was just no other – you had to bring somebody in. You have to get somebody. For Sean, for Cheeto and Sean, it's a little bit different just because of the injuries. One, Marab just keeps shooting himself in the foot. Marab is just – he's the number one cheerleader. You know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Like, Marab is just comfortable with that role of being the right-hand man to the guy. 
so it's his fault. And then, like I said, Corey Sanhagen making a terrible decision, in my opinion. I think those two things lined up perfectly for Cheeto. Cheeto said, wait, I could be on the same card? <laughs> well, if I'm on the same card, then that means I can fight whenever he wants to fight next. And if this guy's hurt and that guy's hurt, please, Sean, please tell me you want to fight again this year. And Sean threw him a bone and said, hell yeah, because you know what I get now that I didn't get in this fight? Pay-per-view points. So if I'm getting pay-per-view points, you bet your ass I'm bringing whoever I think gets the most eyeballs for me. That gives me the most money, and that's Cheeto because that's who beat me already. It lines up perfectly. Cheeto made the right decision. And if I'm not mistaken, Cheeto was supposed to fight Henry. Henry was a no-go, right? It was supposed to be Henry. Cheeto it was supposed to be Henry, Marab, and then Henry said he wasn't ready. So blame those three guys. Blame Henry for not being ready. Blame Marab for not being ready. And blame Sanhagen for taking a fight he should have never took. The three guys that could technically, well, not, not uh, Cejudo. He does not have a claim because he lost. But the two guys that have a claim over uh, Cheeto screwed themselves, man. They, they screwed themselves out of this fight. And I think that's what Sean was mentioning and kind of referring to a lot of stuff. If you remember, there's still a lot of information, juicy information that Sean O'Malley has been holding on to. He's hinted on Twitter. He's hinted about it on different podcasts, on different shows up with Ariel Hawani saying, hey, after this fight, there's a load of bombs i'm gonna drop a bunch of information about how these managers are killing the careers of these guys how these managers are dirty scumbags and i'm gonna air it all out and i'm gonna put them on blast he's referring to Corey sandhagen's team he's referring to that squad wasn't he they part were, of that management team yeah and he felt like they were trying to screw him over and he feels like they are screwing Corey over big time and he feels like Corey was forced into this fight because he's not getting enough money he has to keep fighting because he's paying them a crazy, ridiculous amount of money. And that's what he's been airing now. So it's going to be more. I don't know all the information that he has, so I'm waiting to see it. But it's true. When you look at the fights that these guys are taking and you look at the course that these guys are taking on their career, whether it's Bilal Muhammad, whether it's all these guys where you're sitting there going, how have you not gotten your break yet? How have you not gotten your chance? Why are you still taking these fights? Why are these? What is your manager doing for you? When on the meantime, you go, oh, Sean O'Malley gets his Dana White privilege and he gets all those, but he doesn't have a manager. There's no one yeah, representing so. him. He's he's and you don't and you don't really see himself. him. You don't really ever see him talking with Dana White either. Like I don't think he even he has a, his, like he you don't have to, to you don't Sean Shelby. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you don't mm -hmm. really have to be speaking with Dana White to get what <laughs> you want. Like there's other people. This is a multi-billion-dollar company. You don't talk straight with the boss you talk with the people that run a certain department that you are you know uh what is it uh like uh fuck the words are not coming to my mind you know to my head but uh yeah you're affected by right so yeah. um sean yeah he man i think his dad manages him to be honest with you him and his dad take care of his mom does stuff. like the money and, stuff yeah so and uh yeah man like he's making the right moves you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I see I see Sean O'Malley. He holds the cards now. I see him picking his fights. And if the fight that he doesn't get doesn't happen as fast, then the next challenger will get the fight, right? But I will say this, though, about Cheeto. Corey, what? Cheeto's the toughest challenge for Sean. Even considering Cejudo, Marab, Cheeto's the toughest fight for Sean. And we can get into that. I, 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 I'm I opposite. I think Cheeto is the, the best fight for O'Malley because O'Malley already fought him. And he knows that yeah. he's not going to change his style. I just like that 
the thing I don't like for Sean in the Cheeto fight, and the person that really brought this up that really made me think about it more was Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse had a little breakdown on Sean and why Sean is able to catch Aljo. And he talks about entering range with punches. And he was like, the one person who doesn't enter range with punches is Cheeto. Cheeto enters range with a high guard. He's like, to beat Sean, you have to have like a Muay Thai guard. You can't enter with punches. He's going to counter you. He's like, that's the issue. When you watch back to Cheeto and Sean, the first fight, Sean was having a really hard time letting punches go because Cheeto walks forward. He just walks in with a high guard. He doesn't open himself up at all. And he's like, if Cheeto has a power advantage, it could affect Sean a lot because they're neither one of them are going to shoot for takedowns, right? We know that. Like, neither one of them are going to take each other down. So it becomes how does Sean find it? And I'm not saying Sean can't. I have all the confidence. If you tell me to make a prediction, I say Sean wins by KO. But I can see where other guys are just so so inferior to Sean in the striking game that if they can't get him down, they're going to get knocked out. And we saw that with Aljo. Aljo's, like you said, how do you make that mistake? Like, how do you throw that punch, leave your chin up? Like, I mean, it was so exposed when Sean's throwing the right hand, Aljo's closing his eyes. He's like, oh no, I'm about to get knocked out. He knew it. He felt it. He knew he made a huge mistake. And the, the Mighty Mouse breakdown, I was like, damn, he's right. Like, you do have to enter in close range or enter in boxing range with a high guard, you can't enter it by throwing strikes. Sean's just too precise and he's too good of a counter striker for that. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, man. And uh, yeah, I, I see O'Malley fighting uh, Cheeto in the beginning of next year, probably in Vegas somewhere. Um, it'll be it'll be a phenomenal fight. Um, it could possibly even be a, a pay per view headliner just because it's a rematch and they could build some steam with that. And and you know to be. see if O'Malley really is a pay per view draw. We know that he's a huge star on social media. We know that he has a very successful YouTube channel. We know that he is friends with all the the the, the younger generation stars, so to say, the YouTuber generation, all of that stuff, the backpacker generation, the the drill rap gen. I don't know what you want to call it, whatever generation it's called, but he he is part of that. And, and I think that's what Dana White wants. He, Dana White understands that he has the 30-year-old demographic, the 40-year-olds, because they've been watching for a while, right? But that earlier generation where they have all that, that disposable income, the people that live at their house with their parents and they're not going to move out until they're 50 years old, those are the people that Dana guys, White wants. Guys, this is not going to fail. He's going to get big, big pay-per-view numbers. We talk about the machine, the marketing machine of the UFC. This was a Sean O'Malley event. This was not an Aljamain Sterling headline paper. This was a Sean O'Malley fight. It's in Boston. It's the O'Malley name. Everyone's wearing those green jerseys O'Malley had made a long time ago with the Boston Celtics uh, colors. He has his name on the canvas. He The promo was all Sean O'Malley. Everybody in there was Sean O'Malley. Everything they had was Sean O'Malley. Happy Dad. All the posters up everywhere are Sean O'Malley. The partnership with the Nelk Boys, a direct... Uh, connection to sean o'malley because he also is with the nut boys and does stuff with happy dad after the fight when have you ever seen the ufc post the full knockout on on social media never but they did this time when do you ever see the ufc post the full round an entire round with the celebration with the knockout with the interview on their youtube channel never they did for this one they are not going to let sean o'malley not be a giant draw on a huge star they are pushing all their chips towards him. They are going to make sure that he is the guy. 
moving forward because the guys that they have, I mean, let's be honest. If we don't think Sean O'Malley is a draw, who is? Style Bender? It's, sure. it's not about it's not about that he's not a draw, dude. It's just about because said group that he's the target of. He is the spearhead of that generation. The question is, is that generation in line with the pay-per-view model? Because this younger generation, his generation he represents, you guys got so lucky to grow up with YouTube already in your life that came into our life later, you know? So they you guys got so many fights, different avenues. Like Think about it. For for John and I, we got one UFC uh, a month on pay-per-view when we were in college. Now, the same group, of, that same demographic, young 20-year-olds, they have multiple fight organizations to watch every week. And with all these options to watch for free, like you mentioned on YouTube and everything else, are you sure they're going to buy the pay-per-view at $80 a crack? I'm just, I, I'm just, that's the question. It's not about how much of a star Sean is, because Sean's a megastar for sure. Yeah, if we're if we're talking about will it do over a million, I have some reservations about that just because I think the pay-per-view model itself is just it's so hard to get a million pay-per-view buys, man. Like it is so hard to get a million pay-per-view buys now. So just the model itself, I think, is what makes it more difficult. But in terms of like where does he rank in terms of UFC fighters and their pay-per-view draw, the only person I think that can still get more than him right now is is Izzy. That's the only person I see. I don't really don't see any other champion or any other fighter. John, not including Connor, obviously. Connor's uh, man, even John, just because I don't know if John has the partner, I don't know if John has the, the backstory Stipe, and the dance partner Stipe, with it. Stipe is a strong enough B side, we'll see. It. Oh, we'll see it. I mean, Stipe, though, I just think everyone still remembers Stipe getting destroyed, you know what I mean? But yeah, maybe even John. And I would have a way different um opinion if it wasn't a knockout. If Sean won this fight by decision especially if it was controversial decision, then then I would not be saying this. But to win by knockout, we see what a knockout in the championship fight does, how it catapults people. And I think if he wasn't that pay-per-view draw before, he is now with this knockout. There you go, man. We'll find out. We'll find out as uh, as he gets his first title defense locked in if he is a, a pay-per-view draw. But if, if the people that are listening right now, they know anything about me, I don't really give a damn about pay-per-view draws <laughs> or pay-per-view sales that, that that shit don't change my life we don't we don't but, touch uh, yeah. it huh? yeah, we don't get no part of that <laughs> we don't get none of that um yeah uh, let's move on to the co-main event another title fight you know what i mean that first one o'malley the new generation the O'Malley, the sugar era has started now the co-main event was a, a five rounder and this if you put the word if you look up the word dominant in the dictionary, this fight you could just put the 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 URL for this fight next to that <laughs> word, right? Because look at the numbers, man. Like, of course, we always look at numbers and say, oh, they don't really tell us much about the fight, but these numbers are nuts, right? Like for a title fight, you would not expect this to be like this. 296 total strikes landed to 29 significant strikes let's skip over that because we don't know which ones are really that significant headshots 106 to 19 in 25 minutes body shots 37 to 3 leg kicks 20 to 2 and control time 16 minutes to to mirror uh, 34 seconds and six takedowns landed by Wei Li. what did why did they even put why did they not put the fight between yan jiao nan China versus China 
You know what I mean? Like, why didn't they put that? Like now, when you in hindsight, you think like, was Lemosh Lemoshe? Sorry, Lemoshe. How you supposed to say it? Lemoshe. Was she that? Was she deserving of a title shot? I don't even know now. Cause look at the number. Spec, tell us like what you thought when the fight was going on. I thought about um, all the things I need to do around my house and chores wise because nothing was changing in that match. It was Whaley on top. Well, like you said, I, I said it during our, our watch party together, right, Sickle? I was like, take take the word dominance in capital letters and just have it slowly scrolling across the screen because that's all that's happening here. Like, uh, not take not taking anything away from Wiley. First off, congratulations, Ms. Zhang, like champ, you like by country mile. That that expression applies here. Like she had it, she had it going so good. She made it look easy. It's one of those performances where it was so dominant, like you said. There, there was so much in one person's uh, wheelhouse that you could you could draw like a hundred comparisons. You could make a hundred accolades for Weili, and you could make a hundred detractions for Amanda. It was it was real bad, honestly. Like it it wasn't all that entertaining unless you're a hardcore Zhang fan, then obviously you're cheering the whole time because she received absolutely no damage. Like you mentioned, like dude, come on 29 strikes in a five round fight, 29 strikes. That's all you received on your body in a world title fight for 25 fucking minutes. Are you kidding? Like that's, imp that's impressive to all hell. So dominant is a word impressive. Uh, tactical um and and i liked in the fifth round she turned it up a little bit like she she obviously she was very aware of her cardio and her gas tank and all that stuff but she did everything she needed to do correctly for four rounds then the came the fifth round she knew she had the lead she knew she had the advantage she started kind of hurting amanda a little bit more i think a good number of the stats kind of came on in that round and she just put an extra stamp on this like kind of saying that's right, motherfucker. Like, this is all mine. To me, that's the way she kind of closed the show. So good for her. Um, on the other side, Ms. Lemos. Uh, shit, or Lemoshe, if that's the way it's supposed to go. My bad. Uh, no disrespect. If uh, she she's a... Uh, it's crazy. Because you see this in this age, right? It's year 2023. Obviously, women's MMA is going on for a while. But this kind of g gap, this kind of just empty void in your fight game uh says a lot of where women's mma is right now because there was just if you had like a chart of attributes uh amanda i mean maybe just like a one or two score in the grappling counter wrestling counter jiu-jitsu department like just just really blank she, she she struck out bad i guess would be the good comparison for that she struck out bad in those departments other than that though a uh, solid night in the office for the champ, very well deserving. And maybe John, they will they will put together a China versus China super fight in a more fitting venue for those fans. You know, maybe not, maybe not Boston's not the best fight to have a Chinese super fight. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna go to like, uh, well, you know, she's the co-main event, so I don't think like they're probably just trying to put another title fight on this card. You know, on top of uh, O'Malley and uh, 
Sterling. So, um, Zhang Weili, I'm just, I, I, the only fight that I want to see, there's two fights actually that I want to see with her as the champion is the fight against Rose Nama Yunus because she's lost twice to her already. And the fight against Yan Xianan, you know, China versus China situation. Um, I don't know how close the UFC is to putting on a show in China. Well, they've been putting on shows in the apex. Well, they did yeah, a couple of shows like, what was it, a month or two ago? inside the apex but that's not a an arena that's not a stadium that's not you know a, a venue right that's just the apex in china in shanghai uh so we don't know if that will actually you know come to fruition as something like perfect but i if it doesn't happen in china they need to fight each other next because rose nama Yunus is going up to uh flyweight to to go chase after the title up there it seems like so let's see if uh, if they could put that fight together, I think it happens. And if it does happen, they should probably put it in in Asia. Most likely, they're going to put it in Singapore, right? Because Singapore has a, a pretty good deal, and and that would be a phenomenal fight night main event, right? A title fight night main event, maybe even a pay per view. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I think it's 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 what they need, what they should put together. But you know, you know how that works out. Sicko, what do you think, man? Lemoche, like what? I mean, Lemoshe, that was big sister, little sister. She was, you know, this was the, the say uncle, you know, when the big brother, someone's on top of you, why are you hitting yourself? Like, this was that type of a wedgie, if you will. I mean, she was just getting completely dominated from start to finish. When you look at some fights, you go, man, if they fight 10 times, how many times would the, would the loser win? Zero for Lemoshe. Zero for Amanda. She's not winning. It was just complete domination everywhere. Zhang Weili was too sharp, too quick on the feet. Her takedowns were too good. She gets in on shots and really crisp angles. She's so fast and her way to change levels and get to it. I mean, Amanda was trying to fight off takedowns so late. I mean, she was just so deep on her hips when she was getting taken down. Uh, and then on the ground, you can't get up. She had one kind of desperate ninja choke that she tried in there, but with where uh, Weili was, she wasn't in real big trouble. And that was her only one chance in that fight. Other than that, I mean, tell me what how you want Zhang Weili to be better, and that's how she was better. You want her to be better on the feet? That's how she was better. You know, grappling, getting the fight to the ground, she was better. In the clinch, she was better. On the ground, passing guard, she was better. Retaining top position, she was better. Like, she, just everywhere, literally everywhere. And for everybody talking about the power of Amanda, Amanda does have a lot of power. But I think there's a difference between power in your hands and just overall strength. And I think there is a giant strength advantage for Zhang Weili. And I mean, here we go, man. Another another win. Zhang is a, a bank tower, right, uh, John? Yeah, yeah. I saw her uh, a few weeks back. Bank tower's uh, finest, baby. Getting ready. Yeah, getting ready for the fight over here before she went yeah. to the States. Good for but, that, Jim. Uh, yeah, got, yeah got it's, a, it's good for that, Jim. Yeah, Well-deserving um, champion. Yeah, she's been there since the beginning, which is wild, too. Like, she brings in her like her coach yeah and then you know but she utilizes the coaches here while she's here as well and then the sparring partners you know what i mean that she has and and then she has josh hinger when she goes back to the states who she actually met right. out here so yeah she has a very good combination of coaches and uh yeah man she's she's looking unstoppable again man she looks like she did when she won the title yeah um, i think her toughest but, opponent is is one fight away, which is is Tatiana Suarez. 
I think yeah, Tatiana kind of did herself a disservice when she first came back. Her first fight back was a weight up. She said she wanted to be at 125, and then after that was like, nah, I can still make the weight. And came back down, and I was like, damn, yeah. if that was two floor fights at 115 while still being undefeated, I think Tatiana would be in this position, not Amanda, and that fight is very different. Tatiana's a very, very difficult opponent. Well, Tatiana Suarez will fight for the title in 2024. Undefeated, man. Right? Yeah. Yeah, she's undefeated. If she stays undefeated, she's going to be fighting for the title, no matter who the champion is. Like, she's, she's the she's uncrowned right like she's gonna be there just injuries man she's only lost to injuries that's it injuries cancer yeah she's been dominant when she's in the octagon it's just a different level of of grappling a different level of wrestler they just they've never seen anything like like her just gotta stay healthy yeah it's uh yeah there's there's still fights to be made man it's not like there's she's cleaned out the division that should not be even been talked about there's there's Jan, there's uh, Sores, there's and there's a couple others coming up as well. You know what I mean? Like being a champion in that division is not easy. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not easy to just be like, oh, I'm moving up to flyweight because I've dominated. No. And to your point, happen. John, her biggest fight numbers wise is is still Rose. Rose yeah. is still the most oh. popular fighter, and I mean, listen, just because Rose moves up doesn't mean she won't move back down. No, no, I could see that uh, the UFC maybe trying to push for that eventually but we'll see it's it's right circumstances right right now it's probably not the right circumstances because rose has a fight at flyweight and looks like she's putting on weight to to stay in that division so who knows but you know an extra 10 pounds we'll see we'll see just but what you think of uh you know what's the future for like for jean i think the future is gonna be awesome i'm a, i'm full disclosure I'm a young, you know, Jean Nam fan. I think she's awesome. Like she's legitimately a really solid athlete. And um I've liked things, you know, outside of the octagon that she said when confronted with goofball political stuff. She's answered it like a champ. Uh I like that kind of stuff. So she doesn't play, she doesn't play those kind of cards. I like her. I just like her. I just wish I spoke Chinese. Like I just wish I could have like an, yeah. a real conversation with her. That's my only regret as a fan of hers. Um, but other than that, I think she's I think she's got a few defenses in her. I don't I don't I'm not gonna be one of those crazy people like, oh, she's gonna be the goat or she's gonna have the most defensive of all time. But Suarez is a problem. I recognize that. That's that's definitely a thing. But until she's ready to go, until that fight's being booked. The others that we mentioned, I think she's got that. I think she. I think she's got. So the next, if you look at the rankings, and I don't have them right in front of me right at the moment, but I think that you can easily find two to three defenses uh, in the in the top five or even the top ten. You could got a lot more. So she's like John said, she's got work to do. There's a lot of opponents. Uh, if you're smart about it, in my opinion, just my opinion, if you're smart about it while you have the strap, pick the easiest fights. I don't care. I don't give a shit. I said it. Like, pick the easiest fights while you're the champion. There's no such thing as easy fight when you're talking about the best athletes in the world, top five in the world. There's no such thing, really. But most favorable when you consider all factors. Um, I, I, and I hope, I hope she holds the belt long enough for what John said and make a fight that has a, um, you know, like a global, what's the word? A, a global impact. You know yeah, what I mean? We're so spoiled. 
yeah, we're so I'm so spoiled as an American. We're so spoiled as Americans in the sport and having you know being involved with that for so long that I would like, and I know China has a shit ton of people and a shit ton of athletes coming in. And they already got a good footprint of athletes in the UFC, but to have like a cool, I'm for it. Like I'm cool. Like this mega like Chinese fight in Asia or in China or however it works out, that'd be pretty sweet to me. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. So all the best to. Yan Janan in the future. Um, now I guess going to the uh oh John's back, sweet. Because I was gonna go to the other fight that I really wanted to talk about. Chris Weidman and Brad Tavares. Uh there's a little bit of echo there, but anyways, I think that fight's gonna be uh not gonna be, but it was uh something to be remembered. I think uh Chris Weidman, you know, salute to him, warrior, fucking class act for even getting in shape again to make it in a uh, walk into the octagon again, like hats off to you, buddy. Like you had all the reason in the world to just not ever fight again and all the reasons in the world, but you from, from the interviews that I've seen of his and, and, and heard and read some of his replies, he, this was like a personal quest. Now, on the other hand, now things being fair, like one happy for you, bud. Second part reality check. I think Brad Tavares was being nice as shit to you. I think he gave you a little bit of aloha spirit, my brother. He didn't kill you the way he could have. He could have. He could have really took your leg off. He was hitting you like anybody else would have in that leg. Let's be honest. But he saw you weak. He he didn't spam that attack though. He could have. Um, and with that being said, the way Chris was reacting throughout the fight was not indicative of a person <clears throat> who's healthy enough to fight MMA anymore. And I and I and on any level, to be honest. So, Mr. Weidman, with all the respect in the world, I appreciate you. Thank you, champ. And I hope that whatever it was in your theoretical basement inside your chest, inside your heart, that you wanted to get off your chest and get out there and get into the, the cage again. I hope you satisfy that urge. I know you got a lot of successful other ventures outside the octagon. So, Brad, please retire. That's what I'm what I'm asking for, you know, because uh, he's like our like our boy Den in our watch party. Shout out Den. Shout out uh, he's he. I'm quoting him. Is a wounded animal, and that's what he is in the cage. And all these guys are killers. So, Mr. Weidman, thank you, but please hang it up. And that's uh, that's my thoughts about that fight. Chris Weidman, man, I picked Tavares to win by decision, and that's what I expected in that fight. Um, Tavares is just at a better position in his career. He's too much of a veteran to go in there and, and lose to uh, Chris Weidman that is coming off a broken leg. That is a lot of people will say he's on the decline of his career and having a broken leg and coming back doesn't help you at all, you know, to improve your, your situation and, and fighting a veteran like Brad Tavares doesn't help you at all as well. And, and that's what we saw. We saw, you know, was that on pay-per-view? No, it was the prelims no, no. main event. A, yeah, there was a pre featured prelim. Yeah, the featured prelim should have went to somebody else, right? They should have just gave it to the to the Ultimate Fighter finale guys. But you know, speaking of uh, that fight and 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 a couple and and three of the main card fights, they all went to decision. You had Ian Gary pick up a win against Neil Magny, which uh, was very impressive. Uh, Batista beating uh, Blackshear and then Vera beating Munoz. And if you look at it, all those guys 
are ranked. All those fighters are ranked outside of Blackshear, right? And there were good competitive fights, right? And, you know, Ian Gary's on his way. Nothing really special to talk about in that fight except for Ian Gary. He talks the talk and, and walks the walk. That boy, he does it, man. And yeah. uh, you know me. I'm not a guy that jumps on the bandwagon, but he talks the talk and walks the walk. He put on that uh, that uh, braggadocious, like, fake work, <laughs> private workout in the bar type thing, right? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that could backfire real easy, right? But it didn't, man. And he went in there and he did his thing and made Neil Magny look like a, not a top 15 fighter. He, that's what he did in that fight. Uh, Batista, he's on his way. He's part of... Uh, I think trains a lot with Sean O'Malley as well. Uh, he got a good decision when he's ranked. You know, Vera, he, that all he needed to do is get his hand raised. And, you know, Sean O'Malley d- does the rest. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, so with, out of those, who was the most impressive, Sicko, for you? Out of the main card fights? Yeah, yeah. Man, I would have to say Ian Gary. I'd have to say Ian Gary, man. I mean, I think a lot of people put more – stuck into neil magny than i do maybe i i don't know maybe it's the it's our group chats and stuff that we're part of Rob, where a lot of people are harsh on uh, neil magny but i just don't feel like neil magny is and i'll put it to you this way i remember i said this about Derek lewis before and i got a lot of heat for saying this about Derek lewis when cyril gone beat Derek lewis i was like it doesn't mean anything to me beating Derek lewis to me doesn't mean much it just means you're able to avoid a big shot and i think the same thing with neil magny i'm just like if you beat neil magny then that just means that you deserving of a top 15 spot like i don't see that as a huge jump i don't think neil magny possesses any one like true top level elite skill set he's just okay kind of everywhere he's just a veteran he's long he's rangy his his height usually gives people problems but for ian gary i was like man him beating neil magny doesn't mean much to me but the way he did it was impressive, destroying his leg, butchering it over and over and over, talking to him, telling him to get up. I mean, the animosity that he all of a sudden grew for Neil Magny, I mean, it wasn't there at first, and then it kind of grew. The the comments that Neil Magny had that Ian kind of used this fuel, maybe that helped him. Uh, but but also kind of similar, too, with, with Ian Gary was to the uh, what Rob was saying with Tavares and – and Chris Weidman, where I felt like Ian could have put that fight away. I felt like there was a lot of opportunities that Ian had to finish it off. Where I'm like, dude, he's he's done. Like, he's ready to go. And I don't know if this dude's just sadistic or if he just didn't want to, if he was just too patient. It was either he just really didn't want to accidentally get caught in something or he's just evil. And it's like, I want to punish this dude the whole fight. I don't want this fight to end. I want to keep kicking that leg. I want him to be in as much pain as possible. But in terms of performances, yeah, when I look at Batista's performance, it was good. I expected a little bit better, but Blackshear was better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, I just when it comes to those fights, I I would say Ian Gary is the most impressive out of those guys. Yeah, the scorecards were pretty crazy uh, in in those in that fight, especially with Ian Gary and uh, Neil Magny. It shouldn't have been like that, right? Because Neil Magny is supposed to be a top ten, top fifteen fighter. You should not be getting. 26 20 30 you know what i mean like 30 24 by a uh your peer right your 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 contemporary so to say um j spec the ultimate fighter 31 i believe 31 right um the finales happened earlier in the night during the prelims you had kurt hollaball get that submission 
over Austin Hubbard and uh, Brad Katona beating uh, Cody Gibson. <clears throat> it's going to sound like I'm hating on Brad Katona. <laughs> Everybody does. And I am. <laughs> but I, I was rooting for Cody Gibson to win because I think Cody Gibson just has a better style to watch in the UFC yeah. than, than Brad Katona. Brad Katona is going to win fights. He's going to lose fights. But I don't know. I, I just think Cody Gibson is just going to make much funner matchups in, in the in the UFC at that weight. Um, Brad Katona, the first person to win the Ultimate Fighter twice, which is not a – I guess you could be proud of it. Yes, of course you could be proud of it, but it's like that means you have to go on the Ultimate Fighter twice. Like they might as well just put you on the Contender Series 10 times. Um <laughs> Kurt Hollabaugh, another guy, you know what I mean? Like, he he fought the toughest guys in his first run in the UFC, and he gets a huge win, man, over Austin Hubbard, a guy that's super young. Um, I like Hubbard as well, super nice guy. Uh, Kurt Hollabaugh, he's going to have some fun matchups, man. Um, is he going to survive? It's hard to say, but he's going to have some fun matchups. He's going to chase finishes. He's a guy, exciting guy to watch. I wish they would just sign these guys, all four of them, again. But Jay Speck. Any of these guys that stood out, like between the the Ultimate Fighter? Well, yeah. Uh, one, I want to. We brought this up while it was happening, and I think it should be talked about now. I think it's kind of cool that they stuck the Ultimate Fighter finale on the undercard of a pay per view event, kind of recognizing the fact that the Ultimate Fighter finale doesn't have enough momentum like it used to to be its own marquee show. It used to be its own little separate event that we would all kind of gather up for and you'd see other people on the cast fight on the undercard. That's not where it's at now. Uh, but I thought it was pretty cool and refreshing to have these finalists have their uh, moments on this card. And uh, yeah, just like you, dude, I think Gibson is a better fighter and someone I would, if you're asking who I'm going to pay money to watch, even on a regional scene, I'd rather watch Gibson than Katona. Yeah um cool you're the two-time champ of tough okay like that's all there is to say about that. they need There's more nothing. canadian fighters right yeah yeah and he's a canadian fighter that cool but the problem SGB. yeah that's true though but it's something we made a joke about with with brad katana he could possibly be not only he he is uh the two-time tough champion but is he possibly the most hated unwanted most disregarded tough champion there ever was i think so because my evidence is just a little bit ago we got to see short fuse herman who was the winner of season four walk off into the sunset under his own power right this guy was a season 28 or whatever champ and he wasn't even the ufc no more so he loses like one fight katona you're you're released but i don't know what i'm gonna say now on the other side uh halibah super happy for him i'm bummed he didn't get a performance of the night bonus i'm gonna be honest because he was losing that first round to hubbard hubbard was kicking his ass and he turned it around and he got the win and i think that's epic for the win plus it was a finish on a card that doesn't have that many finishes Personally, I think Halibah got snubbed a little bit on the bonus, but there you go. That's my thoughts on the final. Yeah, it seems like you're just a little bit more invested than most people because you probably watch the season, the tough season, every episode. And if you watch it, then you kind of understand the story. Um, when I look at these fights and their positioning on this card, I'm thinking that the UFC really wanted Chandler McGregor on this card. I think that that's what they thought when they put the ultimate fire together like it ends on this date we'll put chandler and mcgregor on this date to fight each other uh with you know 
you know what's what's going on with McGregor. He's a he's a short fuse. But um, but what can you do? Maybe they that. need to fight. They got their fights, you know, on uh, on the prelims of a pay per view. Great for them. Uh, brand new contracts for the winners. All good. Um, kicking off the the show was uh back to back fights between uh with the Silva sisters in uh in Brazil, right? Like Silva, Silva. Uh, Natalia Silva and uh, Kareem Silva, man, they're both they both impressed me, man. Like, of course, we've seen Natalia Silva do her thing, but Kareem Silva go in there and uh, and knock off Marina Moroz, sicko. Did you expect that? No, I picked Moroz in that fight. I picked her to win it. Um, I don't know if the layoff had much to do with it. I don't want to say that. I'm just gonna give the credit to Silva. She looked fantastic. She looked powerful. She looked good. And congratulations to her. And yeah, both of us, man, incredible performances from both girls. I mean, just attackers, just great on the feet. Both kind of similar in that aspect where they were just too much on the feet for their their counterparts to handle. But yeah, incredible way to start the show. Uh, she, you know, it just seems like we're having this time and time again now, right? Where like the main cards are the decisions. And like all the prelims are where you're going to get the finishes now. So if anybody's out there, you're not watching the prelims and you're only tuning into main cards or pay-per-view main cards like you're doing yourself a disservice man get in and watch these prelims watch these people grow and you see bangers i mean these they're not fighting for much money let's be honest like they need the performance bonuses they're all looking for the 50k they're all trying to get that and that, i think that's why you're seeing these performances and these finishes where once you start getting to the main card you're ranked you just need to win you don't need to go out there and do anything crazy you don't need a 50k bonus you're making you know pretty decent money so tune in to the people that are making the, the 12s and 12s and that, you know, are the 50K is going to be more than anything they've made in their last four fights combined. Like, those are the ones you want to tune into. My question uh, on, about those fights, sorry, real quick, is just uh, real quick on KGB Lee, like, not things aren't going good for her recently, huh? No. Well, you know, age catches up. You know, th things can catch up. You know, she's been fighting for a long time as well, and and Silva, she's she's just kicking off her career. Well, in the UFC, right? She has a way. I think she has more fights than uh, uh, in Andrea Lee. But you know, the age. There's age difference. There's all kinds of differences, man. Uh, training differences, personal life, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, M is calling somebody out. I think maybe it's me. How can you say beating Magni isn't impressive, and at the same time say you are the most impressed with that guy? If that oh, was yeah. me, I'm no, gonna it was say me. this. Oh, uh, was it you? It's because yeah. out of those three, yeah, we didn't have much to unimpressive, from. you know. What I mean? like, <laughs> like, that's they the were all decision wins, yeah, they're yeah, all decision yeah. wins. And for Neil Magny, yeah. what I'm saying is like being Neil Magny, I don't go, okay, he's ready to fight for the title because if you can beat Neil Magny, you can fight for the title. Like to yeah. me, if you beat Neil Magny, that's just like your first step in the right direction. Like that means okay, you're good enough for me to start thinking about you in top 10 fights, and that's where Neil Magny is. Like he's he's fine. He's fine. But as far as like the performance, I mean, we are we going to say Cheeto's performance was like, oh, man, the way he dominated Pedro or, oh, man, the way, nah. you know, these guys like there's only one like dominant win out of those three. And that was being Gary. Yes, yeah, it you know, a decision can be impressive. It can be dominant. Right. Like mm -hmm. the the Zhang Wei Li fight. That was like a fight that you'd be like, yo, that was it's a decision. But yo, that was <laughs> crazy. That was right? Yeah. Crazy. dominant, life. Right. So. You know, there's dominant decisions and there's just decisions that it could be scored the same way, same numbers, but completely different when you watch the fight, right? Completely yeah. different. 
Um, but yeah, so Petrovsky, he gets a decision win over uh, Mearshart, and he's he's always been the guy that's been calling out Bo Nickel. I don't think they're going to give him that fight, but I think Tr- Petrovsky, he's a problem in the division, man. He's he he can grapple. His uh his uh striking is getting better, and dude is on a five fight win streak now. He hasn't lost in the UFC. He's one, two, three, four, five, and zero. Oh. Right, like it was, it was a, a rough. You're right. It was a rough, rough <laughs> performance. It was. I see Rob over here shaking his head. Joe, he says his striking is improving, and Rob's just like, if that he was, has that look it like is. It is. It is improving. Hey, he's in the UFC, and I'm not. But yeah, yeah. listen, listen. Who are we compared it to? <laughs> yeah, but the dude that was a that was a laborious fight uh, and with all parties involved to watch it to call it for the two gentlemen fighting you can see both of them were like can we get this fucking over with like it was that was uh that was like chewing a whole pack of gum at once that was, yeah i think that was but fun. this fight for petrovsky was one of those fights where he just needed to get over the hump and win this fight rather than be impressive or whatnot because you you always want to be impressive in every fight but um but yeah, it's, it's he's getting better. I feel like if Mirshar would have fought him like in the second fight of his UFC career, it would have been different for uh, Petrovsky. But he is getting better. Um, he he talks a lot too as well. But the dude hasn't lost yet. So you know this split decision, people say like oh, I was rough, but it could be one of those fights that helps him a lot, man, in his career. Where he was just like, yo, I, you know, he could watch it and be like, yo, that was rough. That was like, what did I do wrong yeah. in my performance? What did I do wrong in my preparations? And then he could make the the changes, right? But I think it's a good one for him because think about uh Mearshart. He's like ninety something percent finishing rate and has like nine hundred fights. Like <laughs> that's a good guy to fight, right? <laughs> and yeah. and to your credit though, on Mearshart's side, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, you're a veteran with six hundred fights. Where was your fight IQ in this match, buddy? Like, you suddenly thought you were the best striker in the world, or this was the time to show off all your awesome striking skills? I I don't know. Like, awesome he was committed. Yeah, he was committed to, like, he's like, you know there's different game plans in a fight? He's like, option C, and I I'm committed to the third best choice that I got. Yeah. All right, well, I mean, let's they negated uh, go ahead. each other. And I just think they negated each other a lot, right? Yeah. Like, Petrovsky's a really good wrestler, but Mirshard is dangerous off his back. And he had a really hard time taking him down. And then Mirshar's just not – he's a great grappler, not necessarily like wrestling, though. He's he's good yeah. once the fight's on the ground. But to get it on the ground, Petrovsky's, like I said, a really good wrestler. It's going to be hard to take him down. So, unfortunately, because they negated what they both do great, we got to see three rounds of what they both don't do so great, which is exactly. turned into a striking battle. I mean, I was still entertained by it. Like, they were both landing shots. It was back and forth. I was still entertained. Was it the best striking? Was it clean? Are we oohing and on over their technique? No, but it was still entertaining. I enjoyed it. There you go. And, and uh, to, to, to end the UFC pay-per-view on a, on a good note, we have uh, Robocop. He came back. Got back in the win column, used his jujitsu, used his wrestling, right? His grappling to get the fight to the ground. And what was it? Used an elbow uh, to the back of the head. 143, right? Um, a lot of people, you know, I posted that little clip from my interview with Robocop, and he was talking about exactly what he was working on. Like, he's like, I'm working on my grappling. I went to train with uh, 
uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. And then when I got back home, I was training with uh, Wagner Rocha. And I was just like, you know, you could only take so much from an interview before a fight. But that one, you really, after coming off that devastating knockout in his last fight, he kind of understood like, yo, I got to take the safer route to to finishing fights, to winning fights rather than sitting there. Because he told me he was addicted to landing knockout you know, blows, you know what I mean? And he Not said me. it was addicted to it. But now he got the reality check. And uh, now he's going to fight better. And, and this showed it, man. He understood what he needed to do and went in there and did exactly did what he needed to do and, and finished the fight. Yeah, that was, there was some devastating shots from, from the back, back mount when he was flattened out. But it's fighting, man. We could point to that all day. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, shout out to Robocop for, for getting his, uh, his phenomenal victory. Uh, before we get out of here, let's uh, let's talk about next week's main event. There, the UFC is flying all the way to this side of the world to Asia, Singapore, and uh, and we're gonna see the the matchup, the main event between Max Holloway and uh, and the Korean Zombie uh, Chan Song Jung. Uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people. I always say a lot of people, but I'm gonna say me. I don't like this matchup for the Korean Zombie <laughs> at all, uh, and I've been saying this since. Remember, since the Max Holloway fight when he won and he called out the Korean Zombie, dude, you're he wants to fight him. Like, no, no. John's been hoping don't this card got fell apart so long ago. Don't dude. do it, right? Like, don't put him again. Like Max Holloway, I know he's in a position to get fights that he wants because Volk is a champion. He's lost him three times, but you could go to lightweight. And I think he doesn't want to go to lightweight because he's seen what happened at lightweight, right, against Dustin Poirier. But, like, picking the Koreans, I mean, I, I, I could hate on it, but from his perspective, you want the biggest checks for the easiest matchup. That's what you want, right? Like, you, you know, you still need the fight. You still want to make money. So this is the fight for you, you know what I mean? Everybody's going to be like, why are you hating on the Korean zombie? I'm just saying, like, look at his last couple of fights. And and the the type of performances that he's been putting on, and he was training at Fight Ready. He did full camps at Fight Ready with the coaching staff and everything, and they still couldn't figure it out. And and eventually, once you can't figure it out, you just rely on your toughness. And when you rely on your toughness, you're just taking beatings now, right? And and when Brian Ortega outstruck the Korean Zombie, you knew something was wrong. There yeah. was something wrong there, yeah. right? And uh, and now you're going in a couple fights later, and you faced probably one of the best strikers we've ever seen in mixed martial arts, Volk, and took a beating from him. Now you're gonna take, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna fight another guy that might even be worse. Yeah, it might that be has worse. more speed, right? You could say than uh, that could possibly have more speed than Volkanovski, and, and but a, a different puzzle because he's much taller, right? The movement is much different. And he's not even training at fight ready for this fight. He's training at his own gym with his own, like, own fighters as training partners. I don't like the looks of that at all. Right? Yeah. His head coach is supposed to be Eddie Child. I think that's his head coach. But he's not even in Korea. I don't, I don't think he is. He's, he's back in Arizona at fight ready. Like, how are you supposed to coach your guy? Skype. From... Skype, you're gonna <laughs> Skype your culture guy from across the world. Like this, this has disaster written all over it. If the Korean zombie somehow goes in there and wins this fight, I it's good and bad. It's good that he won, bad that he'll continue his career 
because we don't know what kind of beatings are are coming ahead. up right ahead exactly but without that said jay speck we'll start with you what's your prediction on this fight this prediction the prediction for uh max versus zombie is an easy one you guys know where i'm gonna be at swinging in from the pacific baby it's the blessed express all day choo-choo get in line get on board um but i i i really agree with you john um you know you have we all have we're all hardcores uh but if you follow the backstories of the fighters and the lead-ups to these kind of fights these kind of critical and obvious mistakes made by veteran fighters is is weird and concerning because what what uh korean zombies going through right now we've seen in the past many times and what ends up happening is what john alluded to getting your ass kicked for a few fights and uh just kind of basically selling your name and that's kind of already happening let's be honest his name he's kind of been selling his name getting on marquees because of who he was not who he's been recently and paying a big price for it uh on the other hand for 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 max good for him on all fronts you know uh keeps him busy keeps him on a marquee gets him out in front of the maybe more asian fans and you know sometimes there's two sides of it right maybe you get fans by them liking you and sometimes you get people buying your pay-per-views by them hating you and maybe max's stock can rise by beating a very very well respected legend of mma in chan sung jung in the asian market so to speak it's not in korea but whatever's um and we'll see you know this is going to be unfortunately fortunately or unfortunately depending on what side of the fence you're on this could be very good or very bad i think this is uh korean zombies retirement fight i think he's just gonna go out on a big fight and i think max is gonna light him up like it's a fourth of july new year's pick whatever festival with fireworks you want sickle could max underestimate the korean zombie could he be just like someone said in the comments playing ufc video game to get ready for man i don't i i think that's all he's got to do like all max got to do is just do what max does like in this fight uh we talked about a zombie and his his you know his last fights getting hit and how much he gets hit and you got somebody who gets hit a lot and you go okay well the way to negate that can you smother him can you take him down is that what zombie's known for see this top level wrestler who smothers you and gets in your face no he's gonna strike with you and he's been getting hit a lot and you're fighting against a guy who has landed the most strikes in UFC history. Like, that is just a really, really bad recipe. There's a recipe for disaster for a zombie. I mean, listen, zombie still hits hard, right? He still has some power. But that's what we said with Volk. That's what everyone said with Volk was, hey, Volk's probably more skilled everywhere. But zombie can hit him one time. He can have that power. We just saw it with Amanda Lemos, right? Well, if she can hit that one shot... Give me the person that has 10 tools to get the job done instead of the guy who has one tool to get it done. And I just think, you know, 50, 44, somewhere around there. Like, I just really can't see how Zombie gets around. Uh, Max would have to make a big mistake. Or Max Chin would have to just give out all of a sudden. And I don't know about you guys, but who has a better chin than Max Holloway? <laughs> like, it's going to be one strike from Zombie to the eight strikes from Holloway, and that's going to happen for five rounds. 
Yeah, and you know, when you look at it, the zombie, he's he's in his late 30s, I believe. Yeah. Let me check. He's he's 30, he's 36, so he's in his mid 30s. Max Holloway is just entering his 30s, right? But uh M M mentions I like the matchup. Both guys are rather long in the tooth either way. Yeah, they do have a lot of fights between them, right? Between them, they do have a lot of fights. Um, yeah, everybody's always wondering, when is the damage going to catch up to Max Holloway? Because the damage has caught up to the Korean zombie now, right? Like, he's 36, he's still fighting. Max Holloway, he says, do you guys think Max might retire after this fight? If Max retires after this fight, I would be happy for him Shame. and and shocked. Right, because he's still one of the best in the world, clearly. Isn't and he younger than Volk? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's younger than Volk is this about like a couple <laughs> years younger than that, Korean man. Zombie. How crazy yeah, is that? Crazy. That Max could be like, I'll just wait for this dude to retire, even though I've been fighting for like six years longer than Volk. I'm just gonna wait for him to retire, then I can regain the title at 145. Like that's wild, I could see man. I, I wouldn't mind even seeing that because I don't even see Volk fighting for many years longer right it looks no, like he's, he's looking after the biggest fights and he's ready to retire when it's time and for him to retire move up again. yeah he wants to move up max he could go chill for a little bit recover any injuries that he has nagging stuff and return when volk moves up and fight for the title after this one and yeah. i think that might be the plan to be honest with you yeah because they both have the same fights. they basically have they don't have the same manager but they have managers that are close to each other you know what i mean and of course they will fight each other and and make money but you know i can see plans i can see pathways for for both these guys but uh but yeah it doesn't matter i think the zombie has shown to us that he is really really long on the tooth right now and i just don't want to see him take another beat down because he's been taking beat downs even in his wins, remember the Dan Ige fight? He he got injured in that fight. He ripped, he tore his shoulder out. I think he might try to implement the same game plan that he did against Dan Ige against Max Holloway. Gotcha. And if it doesn't work, and then that's when he stands and trades with Max Holloway, um, and that could turn into a, a mess. But it is what it is. We're gonna watch it next weekend. Um, Singapore, it will be live. I will not be there. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to limit my traveling as much as possible um but um but yeah there's some incredible fights you got uh anthony smith returning against ryan span uh giga chikadze who was supposed to fight max uh korean zombie ends up getting matched up with uh alex uh caceres which is a good fight i I feel like any and giga has been out for a long time you got aaron blanchfield filing uh fighting talia santos junior Tafa versus parker porter uh, a couple other uh, fire matchups. Uh, Sting, Sungu Choi is getting another ch- shot, even though he's mm-hmm. lost four in a row against uh, Jarno Aaron's. Uh, that's gonna probably be a pretty good fight as well. You know, some some Asian prospects. But other than that, it is what it is. It's another have, UFC card. Have they came out and said that the Santos Blanchfield is is like a number one contender fight? Because they nah. said like the winner gets the title fight. They don't even care about that fight. It seems like. It's like buried. I haven't seen a lot of talk about it, man. Exactly. I mean, to me, that should be whoever wins that fight, in my opinion, should definitely get the next title fight. Yeah, because Talia Santos arguably beat uh, Valentina as well. You know what I mean? It's just judges didn't think so. But, uh, yeah, Uh, of course, M, yes, Chitty's on the card as well. Chitty's going to fight 
Oh, they, yeah, that fight is going to be insane. Chidi and Kawani versus Mikhail Olenkeglek or whatever his name. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Hey, one more. We definitely got to mention Tafa Gang, baby. Junior Tafa yeah. getting in the mix again. Tafa, so. yeah. Parker I, Porter, he fights his brothers. Basically, they're fighting each other's. Like, that's weird, right? Like, brothers, both of them are heavyweights. They're fighting the same guys in the yeah. division. It's like, it must suck. You know what I mean? Especially <laughs> if you got knocked out by one of them. And then now you're facing the brother who probably has more knockout power, right? Mm-hmm. And younger as well. Just what can you do, man? The UFC, they they want to set people up for, for damage. Um, but yeah, make sure you guys go in the descriptions, download the all-star app, subscribe to the channel. We will be back next week, same time, 8 p.m. Eastern uh on Sunday to recap UFC Singapore uh main event between Korean Zombie and, and Max Holloway. Go to the app, make picks, join JSPICS League, watch the spaces. This one will probably be early morning spaces. No, it's the same time, right? No, it no, is it's not crazy time. time for us. So we get a taste of what it's like for all you global fans. Uh, we appreciate Oh, this you. one's going to be in the evening over here. It's going to be yeah, 2 a.m. Like... for me, 2.30 <laughs> a.m. West Coast time. It's 5 30 for the east and whatever it is for central oh, i ain't gonna lie bro i'm catching the main card only on this one yeah well, <laughs> well it's a it's a it's a fight night so what can you do i'll yeah. be snorting red bulls and running the spaces watch <laughs> party so you guys whatever times in here come join us we'll be watching the fights all right there you go make sure you guys go join the spaces any last words jay spec or uh, sicko before we get out of here uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody participating in JSpecs Prize League and on the All-Star app in general. Uh, thanks for everybody who comes by to our Spaces Watch Party. Thank you to my co-host Times 2. Thank you, John. And uh, that's it. Stay safe, everybody. See you next week. Sicko. Welcome to the Sugar Show era, baby. Uh, there you go. And new. And new. So we'll see. Hopefully we, we get a couple new champions by the end of the year. If not, you know. The reigning champions are are just as good. Thank you guys for joining us, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.